What's up, church planners, pastors, and disciple makers? My name is Jared Huntley, coming to you from Washington, D.C., and I'm with my good friend Logan Douglas, who's coming to you from Reykjavik, Iceland. You are listening to In the Trenches, a podcast by ordinary church planters that exists to encourage and equip other church planters and pastors to make disciples in hard places. Uh, we're really excited to be back for season five of In the Trenches. This is the first episode of season five, and I'm excited to introduce Logan Douglas to you guys. Uh, many of you guys who've listened to the podcast in the past are aware that Matt Hess uh, used to co-host this podcast with me. Uh, Matt is uh, alive and well and doing great things up in Canada, um, but Matt is uh, has moved on uh, to, to other ventures, and so he's still uh, a listener of the podcast, but Logan has now joined in with me. And so uh, I wanted to let uh, Logan, I wanted you to just kind of introduce yourself to our listeners and maybe explain a little bit about who you are and uh, why in the heck you're in Iceland and what you're doing there. (laughs) Well, I first want to say it is an honor and privilege um, to be a part of the podcast. I'm grateful for the work that you and Matt have done to invest in so many and to take the time to invest. And I look forward to our many hopeful, Lord willing, episodes. Um, But yeah, for many of you, if you haven't heard it yet, you will detect a Southern drawl. So I am a Mississippi boy. You mean you're not not Icelandic? I am not Icelandic. I thought you were Uh, a real Viking. uh, You know, I get, I've had many people say that I can fool people uh, into thinking I'm Icelandic until I talk. And then, (laughs) you know, they're like, oh, wait, he said y'all. That's not Icelandic. No. Uh, so I, I can, you know, I'm a, I'm a chameleon until I open my mouth. <laughs> um, but yeah, so from Mississippi uh, was small town in central Mississippi, grew up uh, and um, yeah, just pretty much the same town all the way through community college and then joined the military and uh was in the military for 12 years. And uh, during that time, about midway through my military career, God saved me. And I felt very clearly shortly after being saved that I was called into uh, ministry. And the first place that I ever thought about going and doing missions when I found out about missions was Iceland. And so this was 2014 and uh, just kind of God's leading and providence led me to being a young, young adult pastor at a church in Mississippi in 2016 that had a connection to Iceland and came over to Iceland for the first time in December 2016, felt a complete burden for the people of Iceland and really wanted to see healthy churches planted in Iceland and disciples made in Iceland. And so my wife and I even then committed that that was where we were going to go. I thought it was going to be after 20 years in the military and retiring, uh, God had other plans. And so about midway through 2000, actually early September, 2017, uh, coming to Iceland, to preach and to plan a mission trip, I felt God calling me out of the military and into uh, vocational missions and ministry right then. And so my wife and I started the process of getting to Iceland, and that led us to Pillar Church of Dumfries, Virginia, in Northern Virginia. It's a part of the Praetorian Project uh, to do a church planning residency with them in 2018. And then we moved to Iceland in 2019. And we've been here for uh, about a year and a half. 
Praise God. And you guys are in the process now of preparing to plant a church there. Um, that is correct. Where are you at in the in in that process right now? Well, uh, we're kind of in this unique phase called COVID, um, <laughs> yeah. which I think most, uh, if you're a church planner out there listening to this, you're probably saying amen and know what I mean. Uh, we had plans, but the Lord establishes our steps. Mm. And so we are in a core team phase right now. We've been meeting with our core team for the last three months, uh, and we meet in twice a month, every other week. Um, we have seven adults and two children here in Iceland. And then we have another two adults and two children in the States who are waiting to get here. And so we gather every two weeks for core team gathering. And then we are Lord willing, looking to go into a, um, home church phase when we covenant and constitute hopefully in October. Um, and then we'll be a home church uh, at least through the winter. And just depending on what the regulations are, uh, we'll really factor into when we have public gatherings. Because right now, no churches in the country are having public gatherings because of the two-meter rule and the um, attendance restrictions and things like that. So we were hoping to have been having public launch around this time. Uh, but because of COVID, we didn't have any of our mission partners send teams that were going to help with a lot of promotion and um, evangelism outreach. And so, yeah, right now, core team phase, hopefully, Lord willing, we'll be in home church phase uh, in October. Yeah. Uh, we, uh, you know, we were one of those teams that was going to be coming up and COVID ruined our trip. Uh, we, we were going to be coming up in, uh, in May. Uh, of this year. And for those, our listeners that, that don't know, uh, I'm the, the pastor of Pillar Church of Washington, D.C. It's a church that I, along with others, helped to plant uh, this past summer. And Pillar Church Washington, D.C., actually, uh, we've partnered along with uh, Logan and his wife, Carla, as uh, they uh, endeavor to plant um, Redeemer City in Reykjavik, uh, Iceland. And so uh, we've, uh, you know, been with them uh, since earlier this year uh, in the that process, and so we're, uh, you know, we we had plans to come up, to come up and and do some evangelism training and to do some outreach things like that. But Lord willing, we'll be able to do that next year. So well, and Carla and I look forward to when you guys get to come as well as um, others. And so yeah, um, yep. been a weird year. It has been. I think it's been a weird year for everybody. And you know that's part of why you know we wanted to kind of revive this podcast. Uh, you know, like I said in the beginning, you know, our, our main desire for In the Trenches is that we would encourage and equip everyday ministry leaders for making disciples in hard places. Um, and, uh, you know, we, uh, you know, we want to, to be that encouragement for people. Uh, and I think there's a lot of people who are struggling right now with how do I make disciples in this, you know, new environment of COVID and a lot of our worlds have kind of been turned upside down. And so, uh, we're not coming at this from you know an expert perspective. Logan and I are by no means experts. We are practitioners, uh, and it's our desire is that that as we share out of our experience and as we share out of our our failures and and yes some of our uh, successes whenever we uh, we get lucky every now and then. Uh, we're our hope is that it would be an encouragement to you that you'd be able to learn some from us.
us uh, and that we could really learn along with you. Um, so we we just want to share with, uh, with you guys, our listeners, out of the overflow of what we're seeing God do uh, in our ministries and our respective contexts. And um, so we're, you know, we're excited about that. Uh, so today, Logan, we're going to go ahead and jump into today's topic. And for the first few episodes of season five, we're just going to be uh, each topic, each week will be a topic on something that COVID has taught us uh, in relation to uh, ministry. And so today, good. yeah, man, and today what we're going to be talking about is slowing down and learning to be content. And so uh, what I mean by that is, is this. I, one of the things that I have begun to realize over the past several months is that once all the busyness of, of all the, the ministry activity that we had scheduled was stripped away, it was, there was kind of this initial shock. I think. And I think at first it was nice for most people. They're like, Oh, wow. You know, it's kind of nice. Like I, <laughs> I, I've got some time to rest. And then after a couple of weeks, kind of this panic sets in and, and I, it's like, what do I do? Like, what am I doing? And I know for me, I started to feel guilty. Like yeah. I'm not being productive. I don't, I don't know what to do with my time. Cause you know, I'm pastoring a church plant. We don't have a church office to go to. Uh, we weren't meeting for a long time there uh, on Sundays. And I mean, we were able to kind of busy ourselves a little bit with putting together the online service there for a while. You know, so there was, you could kind of, you know, prop things up for a little bit with, with some yeah. of that activity. But at the end of the day, most of the stuff was wiped off the schedule. And I know for me, I came face to face with the reality that like, I don't, I don't feel like I'm making an impact and mm. what's, what, like, what is my real identity and like, what's my real purpose here? If all of this ministry activity that I had on my schedule has, has now been stripped away, like, can I really make an impact? And so that God's kind of used that in my life to kind of bring me on this journey of, of reminding me what making a big impact actually looks like in the kingdom of God. And one of the things that I've realized, Logan, is that I, I think, um, I may, I think I, you know, I knew the right answer in my head, mm-hmm. but I think functionally I've had things upside down, uh, for much of my ministry. Uh, and I've looked at big, I've, I've, I've been looking at what a big impact looks like through the lens of the world. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I know exactly what you mean. Um, and I mean, I, I, I kind of entered vocational ministry um, the beginning of 2018, coming away from the military. And so there was a culture shock, even just with the amount of freedom that kind of came with it. But I, 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 I like being busy. And I think most people do like being busy. And so I I found ministry things to do. So, I mean, I I started a Bible study. I led a life group. I attended some church planning residencies and intern, uh, audited an intern gathering and all these things. And, And there was some comfort there. And then even when we moved to Iceland, I think that I did a lot of that. And what COVID did in my heart and in my life is very similar. Like it, it showed me how much I think 
this is true. I, I was addicted to being busy. Mm-hmm. And for something like for some reason, and I think it has to do with culture, the American culture, I think it has to do also with what I think is good and godly, which is a sense of urgency. Um, but this this push to being productive, almost for productivity's sake, like almost justifying uh, our 40 hour a week, you know, kind of work week. And um, when COVID kind of dashed those plans. So yeah, it felt kind of like a vacation for <laughs> about a week or two. And yep. then about week three, four or five shows up and you're like, oh no, this is, this is now the thing. Yeah. Um, this is here to and stay. Yeah, yeah, this is my job. This is so I have to figure out ministry in this, and I mean we struggled with that um, here because our entire summer was kind of built on having teams come to do outreach, and now all of a sudden people are, you know, no one's doing outreach because it's kind of shunned, uh, and then. Even, I mean, we're still facing this here in Iceland. One of the things that we're seeking to do is some university ministry, but we still don't even know if the university is going to meet and what capacity it's going to meet, um, what are going to be kind of the implications of social distancing. Uh, and so what what I was left with was a, a similar kind of confrontation that you had, which was, I, I don't like not doing things. And while I think some of that... Is good and godly. I don't think that we're supposed to be the sluggard. I don't think we're supposed to be, you know, passive or always reactive. Um, I I definitely felt the um, the effects of it in in a way that illuminated what I think again was my addiction to hurry or or you know John Mark Comer in his book The Ruthless Elimination of Hurry calls it um, hurry sickness. Mm-hmm. Like there's just this hurry up, do the things, uh, go grind. And when, when I was faced with the reality that I couldn't do that, um, yeah, it was hard. It was really hard. Absolutely. I, I think that, you know, I came to that same realization that, you know, I'm, uh, I've been addicted to busyness. I've been, and, and I think that we, you know, like one of the things I've realized is that we're so tempted in ministry to equate busyness with, um, with godliness, really. Like if mm-hmm. we're the busier we are, then the, the more we're doing for Jesus, the more of an impact we're making for the kingdom of God. And, and it's not just busyness, right? Like we also tend to think in terms of like the bigger our reach so that the higher our attendance, right? The more people we're reaching, the more people we're baptizing, the bigger impact we're making. And so there's this, there's almost this built in pressure that mm-hmm. ministry leaders have pastors, church planters to produce results. And so we can say with our lips, oh yeah, we believe that, you know, only God can save. Yeah. We believe that, you know, uh, you know, salvation is from the Lord. We can say all those things and give lip service to them all the while. Like we are, we are pressing, we are putting pressure on ourselves to try to produce and we're packing our calendar, you know, full of things and, and, and trying to come up with every, you know, kind of, you know, outreach event we can possibly think of to draw people and to get people in the door or to, to reach people. And it's exhausting. And, you know, I've really been, 
you know, the more I've thought about this over the last couple of months, the more I've been like, well, no wonder so many, you know, pastors and ministry leaders are struggling with depression and we're seeing, you know, pastors and ministry leaders take their own lives, uh, you know, things of that nature. Because I think we're, yeah, we're bearing seeing, a weight we're, we're not supposed moral to. We're seeing failure. We're seeing mm-hmm. health issues. We're seeing. I mean, it, it. There, there is something to be said about the physical, spiritual, mental state of ministry leaders in the kind of American church context. Yep. Um, and yeah, I, I I've seen it, and and you know, it's it's heartbreaking when you see you know it being people who have a large platform who, who because of a variety of reasons, either fail out because of moral failure or flame out and burn out and then just never enter the ministry again. And I do think it's something that we are supposed to be paying attention to and asking some diagnostic questions like, what's leading to this? Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so the big, uh, you know, if there's, if there's, one thing that I feel like has been the biggest revelation for me, uh, just in terms of what God has shown me and taught me through COVID-19 this year, it's that it's that he has uh, reoriented me around a kingdom of God vision of what big impact looks like. And what I mean by that is, you know, like Jesus, Jesus says in Matthew 20, uh, it's so Peter and John, you know, their mother comes up to Jesus and, and, you know, asks, Lord, you know, we want you to do uh, a favor for us. And he says, what do you want me to do for you? And, he, uh, and they say, we want you to grant us to sit uh, at your side in the kingdom of, of, of God, one on your right and one on your left. And, you know, Jesus responds, he says, you, first of all, you don't know what you're asking for. <laughs> you don't know like the suffering that uh, comes before uh, the exaltation. But then in verses 26 to 28, uh, he says this, he says, um, he says, you know, that the rulers of the Gentiles lorded over them and that their great ones exercise authority over them, but it shall not be so among you, but whoever would be great among you must be your servant. And whoever would be first among you must be your slave, even as the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. And it, it has just struck me that, that you know, one of the things that I have really realized is that if we want to make a big impact for the kingdom of God, then Jesus says that the way to do that, the way to be great in the kingdom of heaven is to become a servant. Well, what is serv- what kind of work do servants do? Well, servants don't do glorious work. Servants don't have blogs written about them. They don't have, you know, they're not featured guests on podcast episodes. They are not highly paid. They're not recognized. Often they do things that are thankless tasks. It's the master who gets the recognition. It's the master who gets the praise, who gets the notoriety. And oftentimes nobody ever knows the names of the servants. They just faithfully go about doing their work that they're called to do. And Jesus says that that is what greatness looks like in the kingdom of God. And I just wonder with the, with the emphasis that we place on, you know, when we think about impact and we kind of just assume that the ones making the biggest impact are the ones who are baptizing the most people or the ones who have the biggest attendance or, you know, the ones who are writing the books and things like that. And, and I, and I'm like, does that really square with what Jesus says is a big impact 
um, in the kingdom of God. Yeah. Yeah. It's, I, I feel like we have fallen victim as has most of the West, most of America into celebrity culture. Yeah. We see people with big platforms and because their name is on the tip of everyone's tongue, because uh, in normal conversation, you know, their name gets tossed around. Did you hear or see what they've done recently? Uh, and because of the good work that God's done in and through them, especially in ministry leaders, um, to help bring people to faith, help, uh, you know, bring people to a love for the church, a love for missions, a love for God's word, that we see that. And we think that to have an impact, that's what we have to do. Mm -hmm. And um, I remember thinking this at one point uh, about this one particular celebrity pastor who actually is in the D.C. area um, and just like being blown away by how formative this person was in my life and being blown away by not only their teaching ministry, but also their uh, publication and, and leadership and all these things. And uh, it hit me one day that if God calls someone to the work, and we see in the Bible, we see that Jesus says that he will build his church in Matthew. Uh, we see Paul telling the Corinthians that, you know, he planted, Apollos watered, but God gave the growth. Jesus, even in the Gospel of Mark, tells the parable of the sower, and the sower just plants the seed and then goes and goes to sleep and the seed grows. I, if I'm looking at these other celebrity pastors or, or, and I hate using that term, but just pastors who we know, pastors who by God's grace that we've seen, God has used them and given them a platform to do amazing things for his glory. If we believe that it is actually God who does the, the growing then we believe that God has graced them with the grace and mercy to do the task. Mm -hmm. And that's their task. That's their calling. So to think that for me to have an impact, I have to go and do what they do and have as big of a platform that they have. Um, I just, I, I worry that we might be creating a weird unhealthy expectation and kind of goal or a scorecard of what it means to be successful in ministry. Sure. Because what I see in the Bible is just ordinary faithfulness. Mm -hmm. You know, when you look at even Jesus's life and ministry, you see the depth of the relationships he built with the disciples. You know, it wasn't a mile wide and an inch deep. It was super deep with a select group of people over time and they changed the world. Uh, and that was Jesus's own doing. And so the model of ministry that I think the New Testament prescribes, not saying that we shouldn't be zealous and not saying we shouldn't strive to do great things for God and, and believe that God will bless the work. But I feel that we've, we've traded the, the fast, hyper-productive way of doing ministry for the normal faithful way of doing ministry. And one of the things that scares me about that is that means like resting, mm -hmm. tending to your marriage, tending to your soul, loving and leading your family, which are all qualities and characteristics of leaders that that kind of goes out the window mm -hmm. for 
what seems to be this very zealous um, pursuit of of wanting to see people come to faith and disciples made. But I was faced in in again this kind of COVID situation where you know. Am I doing the work or is the spirit doing the work? Mm-hmm. Can this be explained because of my high capacity, you know, ability to do many things across different kind of spectrums um, and, you know, my charisma, my this, like, can this be explained by just who I am and the people I have or is a work being explained by the Holy Spirit? And yeah. so that's that's kind of one of the things that I've been thinking as I've looked at the culture at large and uh, just my own heart asking, you know, what, what is my aim? Is my aim faithfulness or is it fruitfulness? You know, if mm-hmm. I aim for fruitfulness, I might not get faithfulness, but if I aim for faithfulness, I just assume that I'm going to get fruitfulness because it's a spirit that bears the fruit. That's right. Yeah, that's good. You know, I, I, I put a question I would just pose to our listeners, you know, right now is this is, you know, if, if God's lot for you, if the lines that he has drawn for you or that you are going to, you know, faithfully pastor and lead a flock of 50 Christians and help them grow in Christ likeness over a period of time for the rest of your life, are you okay with that? Like, Mm -hmm. is that good enough? Or, Or would you be disappointed if that was what God had for you? And I think like, that's a hard question to really, you know, to ask ourselves. And I think we really should be honest with ourselves and, and, you know, it's going to look different for, for different people, or maybe, you know, you're a listener and maybe, you know, you need to ask yourself, are you okay? Maybe you're not a pastor and you're a lay leader, but are you okay with, you know, if what God has for you is to faithfully, you know, lead a small group of 10 people and it's never going to, you know, blow up and multiply and you're not going to end up baptizing 30 people in your neighborhood. But God, what God has for you is to faithfully help those. 10 people grow in Christ likeness and, and shepherd, uh, help shepherd them through marriage difficulties and help console them when they're depressed so that you can encourage a, a saint as they are on their journey towards glory so that you can help them along the way so that they're not ensnared by temptation. Like if God, if that's his lot for you and that's what he has for you, for you to be the instrument and in helping even that one saint get to glory, <laughs> is that good enough? Or would you be disappointed and I think that's the big question we need to ask ourselves, right? Um, and if we, if the answer is no, if the answer, if we're honest, is that, well, I would be disappointed and I'm not sure I can be content with that, then that tells us that we've got, we need to do a heart check and that our motives are not in the right place. Mm-hmm. Um, that maybe we're not completely about the glory of God like we thought we were. And I'm yeah. saying this as somebody who's kind of realized that this year, like, I think, you know, the first finger should be pointing at me is that it's easy to give lip service to like, it's all about God and his glory. But if we're not content with being, with ministering in obscurity, then I'm not sure that we can honestly say it's all about God and his glory if we're not content with obscurity. I I think, and man, but like one of the things I'm also realizing, like as I'm, as I have, as God has helped me to become content with obscurity um, the rest and the peace that comes with it, bro, is just so good. Like yeah. it just removes this weight off your shoulders, man. Talk about that a little bit, just about the weight that comes off of our shoulders. Yeah. Um, I, I remember one of the most powerful quotes I've ever heard. Um, I remember the first time I heard it, it was by a pastor 
who's now a senior pastor in South Carolina at the time. He was one of my ministry mentors and was a youth pastor, and he was preaching at the contemporary service of the church where I came to faith in Mississippi. And he quoted uh, Count Nicholas von Zinzendorf, <laughs> uh, which is a, a awesome name. And the quote is, preach the gospel, die, and be forgotten. <laughs> Preach the gospel, die, and be forgotten. It's on my board uh, in my office. It's my screensaver because I just remember how oddly restful that statement was and how much of a burden it took off of me being a young guy pursuing ministry to just like it just points to the fact we're not kingdom building for our own self. Mm-hmm. You know, if we bear the burden, so what, like in my own life, me being unburdened, I mean, at one point in my ministry, I remember just, I was active duty in the army. I was full time in seminary. I was a young adult pastor, first year of marriage. Like I was just doing and doing, I was counseling. I was disciple making, doing outreach, uh, it just like the lines just were bleeding through there. Everything was just getting jumbled. I remember doing like Bible study lesson prep at my military job and just scattered, wasn't sleeping well and just felt completely burdened. And I remember at one point reading about Mary and Martha <laughs> and just hearing Jesus say also in another aspect of the gospels, another time saying, come to me, all you who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. And I just realized my life doesn't live to that. Like I don't feel restful. I don't feel like I've chosen the good portion. Mm -hmm. Like I feel like I'm just running, it uses this very Southern phrase, I'm running like a chicken with my head cut off. Uh, and, I, and again, they were all for what I believe to have been. I still believe that they were good and godly things, but neglecting the fact that Jesus himself has said, I will take that burden. You know, his yoke is, is light and, and resting in that. Like, do I believe that Jesus will build his church? Mm-hmm. So for me, what does it feel like for me not to be burdened with this? It's when I wake up in the morning, I realize, I, I bank on the fact that Jesus said he will build his church. Mm-hmm. And from what we see in the revelation that Jesus gave to John, that that comes to fruition, that the church will gather around the throne and we will worship on that day. And so by God's grace, he saved me and in doing that, adopted me, but also made me a part of that. You know, in the normal everyday rhythms of life, I'm a part of that in the way that I rest, in the way that I work, in the way that I love and lead my wife and our family, in the way that I love and lead uh, a church. Like all of these things are ways in which I bring glory to God, but any spiritual fruit. That's on that's on him. I couldn't produce it if I was the most charismatic leader, if I was the most prolific preacher, if I was the best selling author, if I was the mm-hmm. best apologist, if I planted 40 churches in the next two years. If anyone comes to faith, it's because of God's work. Yep. And when you feel that, 
it does allow you to enjoy that rest and that peace that we're promised. Mm -hmm. Because that that was one of the things I was just confronted with at a certain point. Am I like, is this what rest looks like? Is this what peace looks like? Is this what joy and hope looks like? Or am I just like grinding it out day in and day out? Um, You know, and I I could see it. There were symptoms, you know, uh, how's my prayer life? How's my time in the word? Uh, How's my Sabbath? Mm-hmm. What's the quality of my leading of my home? I mean, these were qualifications and pastorals that are just so clear. And I feel like we feel so burdened with the lostness of the world, not realizing that Jesus wants to save lost people more than we do. Mm-hmm. Jesus wants to build churches more than we do. Yeah. And that that's, I've been invited to do that work. I haven't been burdened with that work. He'll do that work in and through me. He'll grace me and empower me to do it through the spirit. Um, and so, yeah, it just, it takes, I just don't think I'm going to stand before the throne and him going, you know, you, you didn't really plant as many churches as I had hoped. You didn't make <laughs> as many disciples as I had hoped. You didn't see as many converts as I had hoped. You know, I think I'm going to stand before him and the questions to me, were you faithful with what I gave you? Were you faithful with your marriage, faithful with your church? Um, and did you trust me in doing the work? And I mean, again, when you think about this, when you wake up daily, when I wake up daily and think this, it is just freeing. Absolutely. And I, and I feel like I taste that freedom that Jesus talks about. That's so good. It's just, as you were talking, it was reminding me of Isaiah thirty fifteen. I was actually reading this uh, last week and uh, the Lord says, says, thus says the, the Lord God, the Holy One of Israel, in returning and rest, you shall be saved. In quietness and in trust shall be your strength. And he, you know, he's talking to the people of Israel and, and you know, he had, because of their rebellion, he was threatening that they were going to be sent into, into exile. And they were trying to, you know, to turn to Egypt and to, and to turn to their own wisdom and their own strength to try to find a way to save themselves. And God's just telling them over and over and over again, it's in quietness and in trust where your strength will be found. And I think we as ministry leaders need to understand that it's not in, in this incessant busyness and restless, you know, activity that we're going to produce for Jesus. Because like you said, we, we can't produce for Jesus our strength. Strength is found in quietness and in trust. And so like you think about like practically, like what does this look like on a, you know, day to day basis in our weeks? Well, I, I think it like, first of all, it looks like we, we don't need to fill our time constantly tinkering with our church, you know, like with the mission statement and trying to plan new outreach events or improving our online presence or, you know, this or that, not, none of those things are bad things in and of themselves. But when we're constantly, you know, putting new things on the calendar and, and packing our day filled with meetings and we're finding ourselves just incredibly busy to the point where it's difficult for for us to slow down, that's a really strong sign that we're not resting, that we're not, mm. we're not, we're not, you know, quietness uh, and rest are not describing, you know, our lives at that point. And so we're not relying on God's strength. And I think that at the end of the day, all that's going to do is it's going to exhaust us. And so I, I guess what, what, what Logan and I are kind of trying to describe for you guys is that, um, there ought to be time in your calendar during the week where you have scheduled time just to, to think and pray and meditate 
like mm-hmm. large blocks of time in the middle of a day, like not yeah. just your morning quiet time where you read your morning and evening by Spurgeon and then read your Bible reading plan and, you know, do your prayer journal. Like, yes, keep doing that in the mornings. Uh, and if you're not doing that, then start. That's you yeah. know number one. Like you need to start doing that again. That's a big warning sign. But don't just stop there. Like spend time. Like we were just talking before we started recording. Like it's not a waste of time to read books. Like mm. you need to read. You need to think. You need to write. You need to. You need to spend time listening to God. Um, yeah, I love and this. Let me, I- well, oh, no, let, me read, let me read this quote by Zach S. Wine real quick, that, and then I'll uh, let's jump in here. So Zach S. Wine in his book, The Imperfect Pastor, which both Logan and I would highly commend to you, uh, he says this. He says, for all of our sermons, Bible studies, vision statements, lunches, meetings, tweets, podcasts, and church management sessions, we constantly hear our own voice. So do others. For many of us, it has been a long while since we have heard God in the quiet, knowing that it was his voice and not ours. Mm, that's so good. What I was going to say, um, yes, and I that, that book, if you have not read The Imperfect Pastor by Zach Eswine and you are a ministry leader, stop what you're doing, hit pause, go to Amazon, buy it now. It is worth its weight in gold. Um, Actually, don't I go know. to Amazon. Go to in the trenches, get in the trenches.com and buy it from our affiliate link <laughs> so that you can there support you us. Go. Never mind. <laughs> Disregard Amazon. Go to into the trenches.com. Um, but it's when I think about leadership. So, again, this is a podcast for encouraging and equipping everyday leaders to make disciples in hard places. So, if you are an everyday ministry leader and you're listening to this, one of the temptations that you face, that both Jared and I face daily, is to do the work and not to develop and delegate others to do the work. Hmm. And one of the key aspects of making disciples is investing in other people to eventually go and do that same work in another context, maybe in your local context, maybe your um They'll, they'll come behind you at whatever ministry you're leading or church you're planting. And when we don't think about the relational equity we need to build, the spiritual maturity that we're seeking to, to see in people, but also just the spiritual growth and maturity we want to see in our churches, growth takes time. Like it takes time. It takes investment. And it's not always easy. A lot of times it's hard. And there's so many agricultural parables in the New Testament, in the Gospels. There's so much that's pointed to this idea of growth occurring. But if anyone has ever done any type of agriculture, you know that doesn't happen overnight. Mm-hmm. It, it is normal, routine faithfulness. Mm-hmm. And if we are seeking to be super productive and to always fill up our calendar and to always be seeking to tweak and go, like, I don't feel like we're being patient enough to let the good godly growth happen. Yeah. And again, in my, what I've seen in my own life is at times I'll see growth. I'll see what looks like change. 
And I've asked myself, did I do this or did the Spirit of God do this? Mm-hmm. Did I do this because, you know, I went above and beyond and, you know, it was my character or charisma or teaching or whatever? You know, could this be explained other than the Spirit of God? And that's where I, I just, I, I failed so many times as a ministry leader in taking the time to rest, taking the time to be in prayer and, and to, I mean, I, I heard someone say one time that a pastor from another country was talking about American ministry um, endeavors and said, in America, you strategize before you pray. You don't pray before you strategize. Mm. You know, you want to go do something. You you come up with a strategy and a plan, and then ask God to bless it and pray. Yeah, and and it's you know, I feel like we have it backwards. Sure. So, so if you're listening to this and you're a ministry leader in whatever context you're at, people are looking at you, and if you have people who are under you, subordinates. So whether it's a, a church staff or whether it's a leadership team or an intern or whatever. You know, future person uh, or a person in your church who could be a future leader, they're taking their cues of what ministry looks like from you. Mm-hmm. And they're also taking how a ministry leader loves their family, mm. what you say yes to, what you say no to. And we can either commend the gospel in that and make it look really appealing or we can make it to where no one ever wants to do ministry behind us because of the raggedness and the and the restlessness that we have. Um, and so it's so important, I think, for us to look at the people to our left and to our right and also those under us and realize that they're called to the work. And maybe for this season of life, your your job is not to be the guy who goes and does the things, but it's the guy who develops the people and delegates it to others. Um so that we can have the rest, yeah. so that we can read and become better equipped as leaders to better equip other leaders. Yep, absolutely. And, I, you know, I think a lot of our um, a lot of our desire to, you know, see great things happen. It comes from a genuine desire, you know, to, you know, see uh, people saved and to see more churches planted and things like that. But, uh, you know, I, I think about how oftentimes I know I've, I myself have prayed like, you know, for revival and I, you know, I want to see spiritual awakening break out and, you know, a certain place and see, and in my mind, I'm envisioning, you know, like droves of people coming down to the river to be baptized and like, and that's what an impact would look like. You know, that's when we would really see the kingdom of God. But then, you know, one of the things that I've been reminded in this season is that Jesus said things like the kingdom of God is like a mustard seed, mm. right? Or the kingdom of God is like a little leaven that's put in a loaf of bread. And and you think about the way that Jesus described the kingdom of God. You know, we already talked about the way he described servants of the king, uh, you know, people who are kingdom people, they're servants, they're insignificant. And then when he describes the kingdom itself, he uses things like mustard seeds and leaven, which are so tiny, you don't even hardly notice them or see them. And they have big results, but even like in leaven, you don't, you don't see it in the way that you, you know, would see, you know, a mountain, right? Like it permeates everything. The king, you know, the leaven permeates the bread and it affects it and it impacts it, but it's invisible to the naked eye. And that's much how the kingdom of God is, right? And so our the impact is not 
always going to be measurable and it's not always going to be something we could point to and go, look how big of an impact we made. Look how big of an impact, you know, you know, my church plant, you know, made in our city or, you know, what have you. And so again, like Uh, you, and you mentioned one thing was like, it's the kingdom of God. It's not the kingdom of self. Yeah. And when you, when you mentioned earlier about, are you able to be, be a ministry leader in obscurity? Mm-hmm. I feel like that is one of the temptations. None of us are actually thinking and questioning the motives of our heart mm-hmm. and saying, you know, am I content? So you said earlier, am I content with having 50 people in my church for the totality of my ministry? Um, and I, I, I feel like many people would say no, mm-hmm. because they would feel like growth is a sign of health or growth is a sign of, um, you know, God's spirit moving and things like that. And, well, that's and, what we celebrate, dude. I mean, like that's what yeah. if under denominational heads, what gets celebrated the most baptisms, right? Yeah. Like, so then yeah. there's this, and, and they would never say it, but there is this unspoken pressure on pastors and church planters. Oh, so that's what's celebrated. So we need to produce, we need more yeah. baptisms. And well, so it's not then, even denominational either. It can be peer to peer. You know, you meet a guy and it's like, Hey, how many are you running on Sunday? Yeah. How many is coming? Um, and I mean, when we think about the disciples, when we think about these 12 guys who were just fishermen, tax collectors, you know, uh, obscure in their own context, we, we think of them and we're like, man, I want to be like these guys whose names we know, but some of the disciples aren't mentioned very much. Some of them didn't have quite prolific ministries like Paul and Peter and John. And not only that, what about the people that they invested in? Mm -hmm. I mean, some people we see their name in the Bible once, but we know that there were other, so some other church leaders in Ephesus apart from the ones we know, you know, God used these people to further his kingdom. Mm -hmm. God has used countless number of unnamed, unknown people to us who he cherishes who he used to make disciples to build his kingdom. And I just fear for my own soul at times that, you know, uh, I remember hearing this story once about a guy who was doing ministry down the road from Charles Spurgeon's church and was just (laughs) so discontented with Spurgeon and the ministry he was doing um, because his church was declining and Spurgeon church was growing. And I, I, I'm often in my own, like I, I play these kind of thought games, like, would I be okay with that? Mm-hmm. Would I be okay with, you know, the guy that I went to seminary with his church growing exponentially and mine not, Would I think that I'm doing something wrong. Like that's one of the things. It, do I associate no attendance growth and no baptism with me doing something wrong? Mm-hmm. And that's the question I, I, I fear good. motivates a lot of us to be productive and to be fast sure. um, is, is we think that, well, if we do A plus B, then C results. And not saying that we shouldn't pray for those things, but that's the question. Is prayer A? And is faithfulness, preaching God's word, making disciple, loving your, sh- your sheep, loving your neighbors, loving and leading your family, is that B? Mm-hmm. Or is it social media and branding and outreach and creativity and right staffing? And, you know, in what way are we thinking to achieve what 
I think only God can achieve because it's his kingdom and Mm -hmm. it will be built. Amen. That's good stuff, man. We could keep talking about this for a long time. Uh, we gotta, we gotta wrap this one up. Um, Mm. so we're going to, Thank our listeners for uh, kicking off this new season of In the Trenches with us. Really glad you're able to join us for our uh, inaugural episode with uh, with Logan on with us. And so, Lord willing, we're going to have many more episodes to come. Uh, and uh, we're we're looking forward to to seeing all that God does in and through uh, this podcast. So we're going to be back next Monday with another episode of In the Trenches. Uh, in the meantime, make sure you head on over to W www.getinthetrenches.com and we've got a blog up there and so we're going to have regular blog posts that are going to be coming up. I know I'm going to be writing a lot and and I'm hoping maybe Logan will even chip in some uh, some blog posts as well from time to time and maybe some other guests on the blog uh, and you can also find uh, links to all of our previous episodes from previous seasons when Matt was doing the show. We've got 81 episodes of content so there's, there's literally like hours upon hours of content on every single conceivable topic you could think of uh, regards to ministry and church planting. And so uh, there's a lot of good stuff up there. So make sure you go check that out on the website. All right, guys, uh, have a great rest of your week. We will see you back here next Monday. So until then, go out there and get in those trenches. 